Tonight we're going to continue our, our Bible study, How To's on the Highway to Heaven. Let me tell you, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made the effort to be here. I want to encourage you to, to commit. We've got about nine or ten more weeks uh, to being here consistently. Bring somebody with you. Uh, this is probably one of the best Bible studies I've ever seen as far as, as timeliness and practicality. We're talking about uh, really what it is from the point we're saved until the point we're with Christ in eternity. Uh, how do we live in that stretch? And those are the days of our life. We're talking about things that I've never heard anybody talk about in a Bible study. Uh, depression, we're going to talk about anxiety, we're going to talk about loneliness, we're going to talk about how do you uh, today know God's will. We're going to talk about uh, very, very, very practical things. How would you know a false teaching if you heard it? Very practical things in our course across uh, our life. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about, well first of all let me say this, our first couple of lessons um, are on our church website, the video of those, uh, they're on Facebook as well. If you missed any of those, uh, those are great lessons and I think they're, they're foundational, they build coming to our, our lesson tonight. So if you missed any of those, be sure and go to, to our website or to Facebook and, and catch up on those. The analogy of our book, there's a book in the foyer, if you haven't got a copy uh, tonight, I'll, I'll be teaching. You won't need the book tonight, but if you'll grab that and you can read the chapter either before the week or after the week uh, and stay up with us, those books are at, in, the, in the Welcome Center uh, there on that, in the foyer. Uh, the analogy of our, of our Bible study is that of taking a trip, and that comes from the book starting in your car, driving along the trip, and then reaching your final uh, destination. If you remember last week, we saw that the fuel for the trip is the Holy Spirit of God. What empowers us uh, to live as followers of Christ is the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the truth of last week is this. You cannot live as a follower of Christ apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. You can't do it. Your intellect's not high enough. Your willpower's not high enough. Your resolve is not high enough. Uh, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God when we're saved. Well, tonight we're going to talk about knowing the direction for the trip. Last week, uh, the fuel for the trip, the empowerment for the trip. Tonight, we're going to talk about knowing the direction for the trip. Uh, the, 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 really, the, the topic for tonight is this, finding God's will for your life. Knowing God's will for your life. Have you ever wondered, what does God want from me here? What does God have for me to do right here? Now, what would be the best decision to make uh, right now. And you think, oh, here are some things I've got to decide. Have you ever wondered what would be the most Christ-honoring thing right now? And maybe if you're like me, and this is how it's been across my life, I will say things like, you know what? If God would just tell me, I would do it. Why didn't he just tell me? If he would just tell me, I'm, I'm not so hard-headed. If God would just tell me, I would do it. Why doesn't he just tell me? Or if he would just show me, or here, here's one maybe you've said, if he would just give me a sign, I, I, if I could just get a sign, I know I would do what he says. If the next car that I see is red, I'll know not to marry them. That's how Carrie ended up with me. She didn't see a red car that day. How do you know God's will? How can you be sure it's God's will? Well, remember back when we started a couple weeks ago, our starting place on the introductory week was, do you believe 
that this is God's word, and do you believe it is true? Do you believe God's word is true? Do you believe God is the God of creation? He's the creator of all things. That's what his word says. We talked about it that week. That's why there's such an attack on God as the creator. Do you believe he's actually the creator of all things? And do you believe that because he is, he possesses all wisdom behind all things? Now, what that means is because he made you, he knows what you need to do. He knows what you ought not do. He knows what's best for you. And and he knows in, in infinite wisdom all the things about you. And so do you believe this is God's word? Do you believe that it's true when it says he's the creator of all things? Do you believe that as the creator of all things, he holds the wisdom behind all things? And if you do, then it would just make sense that he would have the best way for us to live. Now, what that all says, and it just comes down to this, the best way is for us to live in the will of God. The best thing for us is to live in the will of God. Now, let me tell you this. God doesn't come like some dictator and say, you're going to do this. He doesn't come and say, you know what, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna operate in these bounds and I'm going to tie you to it and you're not going to have a choice. Did you know you can operate outside of God's will? Do you know what comes with that? And, and I can tell you this and I think you all would say the same. Headaches, heartaches, trouble, chaos, wasted time. If we live outside of God's will, you know what, we go back and say, I wish I'd have done that differently. You know what, I've got regrets I can't get rid of. Uh, I, I, I have headaches and, 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 and problems I wish I did not have. The best thing for us to do is live in God's will. Now, I've said this every single week. I'll say it again this week. Uh, our youth are, are meeting with us, and I'll just tell you, I'm glad you're here. Um, what a great thing to know God's will, to discern God's will at 13 or 14 or 17 and not have to crash into all the walls that we had to crash into, not have to make all the terrible decisions and come back and say, you know what, I wish I'd done that differently. What an awesome thing that we're going to find out. You know what, you at your age, you can know God's will and you can live in God's will. Well, that is our lesson. How do you know how to live? How do you know what the will of God is and how do we actually know that? That's our lesson tonight. All right, I'm going to move you through some steps, and then we're going to conclude with some very practical things that we can do uh, to know God's will. But here's the starting place tonight. Knowing and doing the will of God must have first priority in your life. Hear that again. Knowing and doing the will of God must have first priority in your life. You must truly want to know what God desires for you, and you must truly want to do it. That's that's the, the the simple truth of it. You must actually want to know what God wants for you, what he directs you to do, and you must actually truly want to do it. Let me just level with you. As long as something else has a higher priority, as long as something else has top priority, we need not go any further with our Bible study. If your comfort is the highest priority, if popularity is the highest priority, if self-service, I want to serve myself, 
if that is the highest priority, if pleasing other people, if that is the highest priority, as long as anything else has the highest priority, the top priority, we might as well stop our study and go and get some more snacks right now. People say, and maybe you've said this, I have, I want to be in God's will. Let me ask you a question. Would you like to be in God's will? Raise your hand. Some of you evidently don't, but <laughs> would you like to be in God's will? But what if I said in this area? Oh, I don't, I don't know about that area. Well, what if, it, what if it made you do these things? Well, I don't know about those things. When we started this study, I said something. I guess I'm going to start saying it every single week. This is not a normal Bible study. And it's not going to be normal as we walk through the pieces of it. And so let me just tell you this. I'm going to be very honest. I've said this every week. If you are fine with normal, if you're okay with normal, if, if normal is good enough for you, this Bible study is not for you. You're going to think this is crazy. You're going to think this is, is absurd. And if you're fine with normal, this Bible study is not for you. But let me ask you this question. So how's normal working for you? And I've said that every single week. How's normal? And I, I watch our culture. You know what's normal is to do this thing. Well, how's that working? We got, look at our world. We got crazy stuff. We got trouble. We got division. We got things we couldn't even imagine. And so when I watch folks and they say, well, I'd just like to get back to normal. I want to ask the question, well, how's normal working for you? The starting place is for us to be ready tonight to say, God, I'm ready to know what you have for me, and I am committed to doing it. And that's it. You know what? This isn't going to be normal. It may be uncomfortable in parts, but the starting place tonight is to say, God, I want to really know what you have for me, and I'm ready to do it. If you're not there yet, maybe draw something, make a grocery list. Don't waste the time. But that's the starting place for our study tonight. God, I really want to know what you have for me, and I'm ready to do it. So that's the first thing. That's the starting place. Second thing is this, and I want you to be sure to understand this, and it's important that we say it. God actually wants you to know his will. God actually wants you to know his will. Let me tell you this. It is not a puzzle. It is not a test of your resolve. I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to not mess this up. And if I can do all these things, then I might know it. It is not a mystery for you to solve and it's not a game that he is playing. I'm gonna be very honest with you. I think a whole bunch of us think that, you know what, it's almost impossible to know God's will. And that's the super spiritual people. They know God's will. But I, I don't know all those things. I, don't, I can't do those things. And we think, you know what, I have to put this piece into place and I have to get this piece over here and some spiritual elitist has to tell me this thing and then I might map out his will. Did you know it's not like that at all? Let me tell you this. God is glad. God is happy. God is pleased when you want to know his will. He's not playing games. He's not trying to trick you. He have, doesn't have a puzzle for you to put together. Think about it like this. If you have a kid, some, some of you someday you'll have a kid, some of you, your kids are grown, maybe you have grandkids now, but if you have a kid and your kid came and said, you know what, mom, you know what, dad, you know what, grandparent, 
I've had some trouble and I find my life is in a mess and I need you to help me get out of that mess. Let me ask you the question. I'm being very honest here. Would you trick them? Would you say, you know what, I'm going to set you up so I can laugh at you? Would you say, well, you know what, I, I want to see how bad you want it. I want to set some things up, and if you'll do these things, then we'll talk. Or would you say, you know what, I'm glad you're here, and I'm so glad that you're ready to listen, and listen, I want to tell you how we get out of this bad spot. That's exactly how God is. He is happy. He is pleased for us to want to know his will. So the second thing tonight First off, you, you need to be ready to say, I want to know your will, and I'm ready to walk in your will. But the second thing is to be sure God wants you to know it. I think that makes it where we can breathe a little easier tonight. God wants me to know this. He's not hiding it. It's not a puzzle. God wants me to know his will. All right, the third thing is this. Because God is the creator, because God has all wisdom, do you believe that? He has all wisdom. He's not confused by algebra. He's not confused by how electricity works. He has all wisdom. He knows all things because he's kind. Do you know he's kind? Because he's gracious to us, because he's trustworthy. Do you know he's trustworthy? He, he, he's faithful. You can trust him. Because he is all of those things, we turn to God. All right? So he wants us to know his will. So we're going to turn to God for his will. Now, here's the, here's the, the, the part that adds on to that. We turn to God, so we turn to his word. That's how we're going to hear. That's how we're going to know. That's how we're going to discern. We're going to turn to God. He wants us to know his will, so we turn to his word. To know the will of God, we have to turn to his word. Now, I wrote that out this afternoon. To know the will of God, we have to turn to his word. You know what that sounds like? That sounds very religious. Well, yeah, that's what a church would say, surely. That sounds too easy. And some of you are going, oh, knowing his will has to be harder than that. That's too easy, just turn into his word. Some of us say, that's too hard. I don't understand it. I can read that and can't make any sense of it. Here's the truth. To know God's will, we turn to his word. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, says this. Your words were found, and I ate them. That's what it says. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Now, there's, a, there's several things we could take out of that verse. He consumed the word of God. He took in, he actually ate the word of God. And it says in his words, the word of God became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Now, um, I went and looked up that word delight in the original language, in the Hebrew language. And, and that word for delight means there an absolute joy. Here's what it literally translates. A rejoicing joy. Not rejoicing alone, not joy alone, a rejoicing joy. It became a joyful joy, a rejoicing joy. It became the apple of his eye. The word of God became his joy, his peace, his happiness, the apple of his eye. Your words I found, I consumed your words, and your words became the absolute joy 
of my heart, the absolute joy, the apple of my eye. Now, here's the question. First thing is this, and don't answer out loud. So would you say tonight the Word of God is the rejoicing joy of my life? Or is it something else? That's the first question. Now, that, these are questions just to evaluate as we move. And, the, and then the next question I think becomes very important for us. So how does it become the rejoicing joy of our life? How does it become the delight of our life? How does the Word of God become the delight of our life? Now, I'm going to tell you a couple ways. All right. How does the Word of God become the delight of our life? The first way, the first thing that has to happen is you have to know its author. You have to know its author. God's Word changes as you know the author of God's Word. Now, I can hear a verse, and if I don't know God, if I, don't know God I say, well, he must want to steal my fun. If I, I know this verse and I don't know God, I think he must be mad at me. If I, if I read this verse and I don't know God, I think, man, he's got a standard I can't keep. But as I start to know God, it changes how I see the word of God. Now, let me, let me just give you a couple examples. God's word changes as you know the author. Tonight, what if I were to say, I have for you a biology book. It's the third edition, whatever, 692 pages, biology book. Or I have a letter that someone that really loves you wrote to you. Which one do you want? There might be a few folks that say, well, give me the biology book. I don't remember that. Or you say, well, who wrote that? My, my uncle wrote that or my, my grandmother wrote that? You're going to want the letter that someone wrote that loves you. Why? Because you know the author. What if I said I've got a, I've got a chart of algebraic formulas? Or you know what your, your daughter did? She wrote a song about you. And we've got it written down, and I've got it right here, and you can listen to that song. I'll take the algebraic formulas. That stuff's important. I use that all the time. When you know the author, it changes how you see the Word of God. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about the author of the Word of God. He is trustworthy. He cannot lie. He has not lied. He will not abandon you. He is trustworthy. We live in an age where nothing, I don't think, is dependable. You watch the news, you better not believe it. It's not dependable. You know what? Our God is trustworthy. He is faithful. He's not going to desert you. He's not going to find somebody better, somebody bigger. He's not going to get so disappointed he walks off from you. He is faithful. He is good. He is absolutely good. He is great, which means he can do tremendous things. He is powerful. There's nothing he wants to do he can't do. There's no limit. He's infinite in his power. He is, I've said it before tonight, he's infinitely wise. He knows what needs to happen. He knows why things happen. He's infinitely wise. Here's one that we're going to see. We just were singing about it. He is gracious, powerful, yes, just, yes, holy, yes, gracious to us as sinners. The Bible says he's love. He is actually love. He is, he is kind. And so listen, when I'm reading the word of God, when I read this verse and I say, you know what? The author of this verse is kind and the author of this verse knows all things and the author of this verse is not limited in his power. It changes how I see the verse. And so you know what? To, to, uh, to, to have a delight in the word of God, I have to know the author of the word of God. Now, let me just tell you this. That moves in a circle. 
The more you know the word of God, the more you'll love God. And the more you love God, the more you'll want to be in the word of God. And it just starts to confirm each other. It moves in a circle. Okay, back to our analogy. If you're following a map, what direction do you have for your life? Um, If you're following a map, would you follow a map if you did not trust the map maker? Would you follow a map? Some folks are so young, they don't even know what a map is. They're saying, well, a GPS. Um, if If you talk to your GPS and it doesn't know what it's saying, would you trust your GPS? Would you follow a map if you did not trust the map maker? I'm going I'm to make a point right here. Clinton Nava, I have a pretty good idea. If you'll come up here and help me out, I have a pretty good idea about Clinton. He doesn't know what's coming, but I'm going to tell him. Have you driven to Dallas? Several times. You know how to get to Dallas. If you walked out of here and I said in four hours you need to be in Dallas, you'd be in Dallas. And you can stop at IHOP and Wichita on the way. All right, so you know how to get to Dallas. All right, so if you'll stand up here. You've been to Dallas, you know how to get to Dallas. All right, I'm going to come over here. Is there anybody here that's driven to Dallas? <laughs> so none of y'all have driven to Dallas? BT, have you driven to Dallas? You have? <laughs> did you have your license when you did it? No, that's a joke. Alexis, have you driven to Dallas? If I told you to get to Dallas, how to get to Dallas, would you know how? Okay. All right, I'm going to need you. She said, she said to go to Dallas, go on the highway. So she knows. Are right, you staying right here? All right, you get a prize just for playing. Pick one. All right, when you get ready to rev All right, here's a piece of paper and here's a pen. Here's a piece of paper and a pen. All right. Just, I want you to tell me, we're pulling out of the driveway right now. I want you to tell me the roads we will drive on to get to downtown Dallas. And just write them in order. Just all of them. (laughs) Just the roads. Oh, you got it? Good. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) That last one, I don't know. (laughs) I bet you Clinton doesn't write that last one. You ready? All right. First thing we're going to do is this. All right, y'all have to get to Dallas. You have to be there tonight by 9.30. It's important that you get there. If you get there after 9.30, you're going to lose $100,000. If you get there before 9.30, you're going to get $100,000, and you might go to IHOP on the way home. All right, we're going to use one set of these instructions how to get there. 
All right, now listen, if you don't get there, you don't get $100,000. But if you get there, you get $100,000. Those of you that will use Clinton's directions, please raise your hand. Dang. <laughs> Alexis, man. All right. Those that will use Alexis's directions, raise your hand. <laughs> All right, let me read you their directions. Clinton says you get on the Amparica, you go to Sand. You go to Sand to Hillcrest to 287. At 287, you stay on 287, you get to 114, you take 114 to Dallas. Those are his instructions. You'd probably get us $100,000. Here's what Alexis says. Alexis says, turn on the sand, good. Go down Wilbarger, good. Get on the highway. Stay on the highway until you're in Dallas. <laughs> and then she says, boom in Dallas. <laughs> Thank you for playing. Thank you. All right, here's the point to that, to that demonstration. You can't trust the map unless you trust the map maker. And so when we understand who the map maker is, and it's not just a map maker, it is God himself. When you understand who the map maker is, you know what I'm starting to say, tell me the direction for my life. Tell me the direction for my life. When I understand the map maker is God, you know what, I'm going to God for the direction for my life. So the first thing you have to do to delight in the word of God is you have to know its author. Second thing is this, is time has to be invested. Time has to be invested. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Here we go, verse 2. But his delight, his rejoicing joy is in the law of the Lord, the, the word of God. And in his law, the word of God, he meditates Day and night, he is in the word of God, thinking about it, meditating in it, day and night. Here's the point. If knowing God's will is actually your priority, then time spent in God's word is going to be the requirement. If knowing God's will, I would like to know what God says. I understand he's the author. I understand who he is as the author. If that is my priority, Time spent in God's word is going to be the requirement. Now, remember when I, we started and we said, you know what, this Bible study may not be, un, be, may not be comfortable for us, and for sure it's not going to be normal for us. Uh, today I watch churches and they, they just want to give you a meme. They just want to give you a verse out of context. They want to give you something in three minutes. They want to give you something in one minute. And say, you know what, oh, I heard this and they said that, and I'm ready to go. And you know what, it rhymed when they said it. That's not how it's going to work. If you're going to want to know the, the, word, the will of God, you're going to have to spend inordinate amounts of time in the word of God. All right. How do we know today what is right and wrong? Good grief. Our world doesn't know anymore, do they? How do we know what is right? How do we know what is wrong? How do we know what is true? You know, the Bible says, thy word is truth. I have decided the last month, nothing is true but the word of God. Anything else is going to be messed up. How do you know what's true? How do you know what's false? How do you get the right perspective? Do you know a lot of, your, of the momentum that you move through life 
with is going to depend upon the perspective that you have. You have the right perspective. How do you find encouragement? How do you not go, dadgum, this is never going to work. This isn't going to pay off. I don't think I'm going to make this trip. How do you find encouragement? How do you keep encouragement? How do you keep the right perspective? Here's the truth. I, I, I can't say it heavily enough. You will have no real spiritual growth outside of spending time in the Word of God, the Bible. You will not grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ outside of time spent in the Word of God, the Bible. Now, that, that ought to be convicting for, for, for most of us, many of us. What that means is hearing it, like tonight, studying it, thinking about it, memorizing it, reading it. The greatest dividend of any investment that you, could, that you can invest in is time spent in the Word of God. This, this hit me this year, and I've said this a, a, a lot the last few months. Um, Sarah, my daughter, grows up. She leaves my house. She goes to college. And I, the other day I was putting some clothes away, and I walked in, in her room, and you know what? Her closet still looks like she lives there. Her shoes still look like she lives there. Her bed still looks like she lives there, but it's a mean trick. She doesn't live there. And I wonder about the bad influences she could run into. I wonder about the sorry people that would hoodwink her that she could run into. I wonder about the churches that could teach her something that's not true that she could unite with. I wonder about all these different things. And I wonder, well, did we do this right? Did we do that right? Do you know when I take my hands off the wheel and have to back up, the thing that will make the difference is the time that she is spending and has spent in the Word of God. How do you know what's true? How do you know what's right? How do I keep the right perspective? It only comes from time spent in the Word of God. It takes an investment. All right, so the first thing is you have to know the author. The second thing is time has to be invested. You have to put the work in. You have to take the time. The third thing is this. You have to decide to obey. How's the Word of God going to become the rejoicing joy in your life? You have to decide to obey. I wrote here, you have to pre decide to obey. Here's the truth. God's wisdom, God's plan, God's will for your life will mean nothing if you're not going to follow it. So if I took Alexis's map and said, step one, boom in Dallas. Step two, get on Sand Road. It's not going to work. It, it has to be the word of God. It has to be from God, the author. And then it has to be carried out by us walking in obedience. God's wisdom, God's plan, God's roadmap doesn't do anything if we're not going to follow it. Psalm 143 verse 10 says this, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Now I read that verse, Psalm 143 verse 10, I want you to notice something. It does not say teach me to know your will. It says, teach me to do your will. Remember when we said, you know what? Knowing the word of God and doing the word of God has to be your priority. This is where that comes into play. If you're still debating, okay, God, give me your will. Okay, you gave it to me. Now let me sit back and decide what I'm gonna do with it. Okay, this is what you do. This is how you move forward. Okay, thank you for that. I'm gonna weigh it out. I'm, I'm gonna consider it. I'm still deciding. If you haven't decided, pre-decided to walk and carry it out, the plan doesn't matter. 
God knows that, and that's the truth. And I'll just tell you this. If you haven't pre-decided to walk in obedience, you'll miss it. Now, for that to take place, which means this, I'm pre-deciding right now that if God says do it, if that's what he leads, I'm going to do it. To be able to do that, you have to go back to the author. That's why this all links up. So do you trust the author? Do you trust Clinton? Do you trust Alexis? Do you trust God? Do you believe the author is kind? Do you believe the author is setting you up for a trick? Do you believe the author knows what is best? And so you go back. If you know who the author is, you know what? I can pre-decide if it's God that directs my path. I've pre-decided to walk in obedience. I'm not going to weigh it out. I'm not going to have to consider what's this going to cost me. I'm going to walk in obedience. Now, let me ask you a question. But what if what he leads you to do is crazy? Oh, I don't know about crazy things. What if what he leads you to do is unpopular? Do you know in our world, if the worst thing people think that you could be is, is not go with the popular flow? What if you have to go against the flow of everybody else? What if what he leads you to do is not popular? Here's one. What if what he leads you to do goes against your nature? Well, you know, I don't like that. Well, you know, I don't do those things. Well, you know, that's, I'm just not like that. What if what he says, this is my will, and it goes against your nature? It goes back to him. Do you trust him? Is he kind? Does he know what's best? Is he trying to trick you? Is he faithful? All right, so there you go. It goes back to the word of God. It goes back to the Bible. That's not normal. It's going to require inordinate amounts of time spent in God's word. It's going to require you to, to pre-commit to walking in obedience. All of that's going to require you to know who God is. All right, so here we go. That's, that's the, the lesson. I'm going to wrap it up by giving you some practical steps to knowing God's will. All right, if you ever wanted to know God's will, if he would just give me a sign, I would follow it. All right, practical steps for you to leave here tonight and say, okay, I want to know what God is saying in this area. Practical steps for you to know the will of God. First thing is this, and these are, these are things to do. The first thing is this, to pray. And I know that sounds like, well, that's a religious thing. It actually bears fruit. It is a powerful thing to say, God, um, I want you to show me what to do here. God, I want you to give me faithful feet to carry it out. God, I want you to give me the encouragement to stand if nobody sees what you're calling me to do. God, you say if I need wisdom to ask for wisdom. You spend time in prayer. Let me tell you something. God will answer those prayers. And so the first thing you want to do, I want to know God's will. Remember the first step, are you really ready to know what he says and really ready to do it? If you are, the first thing you do is you pray. God, I need your wisdom. I need your help. Is this what I ought to do? Is this how I ought to live? You pray. Second thing is this, and this is a big practical thing. Go with what you know. Go with what you know. Now, that's not in a book anywhere. I, I made that up. But sometimes you say, I need specific direction. Um, do I go to this school, to that college? Um, do I take this job? Let me tell you something. Those verses generally aren't in the Bible. It doesn't say, University of Texas will lead you astray. It should say that, but it doesn't say that. Here's the deal. You have to be living out what it is he's already told you. 
you have to be putting into practice the things you already know. And so let me just put this in very practical terms. This gets very, uh, very convicting to me. If you're not doing the 19 or 20 or 21 or 42 things that God's already told you to do, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a hard time discerning the next thing that he's telling you to do. And I'm going to tell you, I believe this as well. If you're already not doing the 19 things he's already telling you to do, I don't think he's that interested in telling you the 20th thing to do because you're not willing to obey the first 19 things that he told you to do. You have to go with what you know. You know what? God tells us what to do about our tempers. Do you think God's ready to answer your other questions if you say, you know what, I don't care what you say about your temper. God tells us what to do with our mouths. Ouch. Do you think God says, let me, let me lay out a roadmap for you, but you, you operate your mouth in sin. How you treat other people. Do you know the Bible is very, very clear in how we treat other people? Do you think God says, let me come give you a bunch of information when you're not listening to how we treat other people? Your finances. And I, I watch folks, God actually tells us how to handle our finances, how to see a, a, a biblical understanding of, of what we do with our finances. Do you think God's going to say, I want to bless you even though you ignore me in all those areas? Who you date? Do you know God has, has a prescription about the people we should date, the people we should think about marrying? I don't care about that, but I want him to bless my marriage. Do you think he's going to give you information? Do you think he's going to bless your search for information in the 21st area when you're ignoring him in the first 20 areas? And so my second step is this. Go with what you know. You say do this in this area, I'm going to try to obey it. You say this is how to operate and treat people, this is how I'm going to try to treat people. You say this is how to use my mouth, this is how I'm going to use my mouth. And as you start to do that, listen, it's going to build discernment for the other areas. It's going to make it easier in the other areas. And so if you say, you know what, I'm doing what God has said here, and I'm doing what God has said here, and I'm doing what God has said here, and then you try to pick your university, you know what? It's going to be a lot easier to discern how and where he leads when you're following him in the areas that he's already told you what to do. Go with what you know. Go with what he's already said. You will grow and you'll build from there. Next step is this, walk in obedience. The second time we've covered this, the first time I said pre-decide to obey, now I'm telling you go ahead and obey. Plan to obey, now walk in obedience. It's time to make obedience the practice of our lives. But I said earlier, if I've got to think about, evaluate each step of obedience, I'm not really ready to walk in obedience. Remember last week we said a walk is made up of steps. And sometimes you think, boy, I could get in, I can walk, and I can go three or four miles. Did you know a, a walk is just taking the first step? And so, God, you said I'm supposed to be the, the head of my household as the Christian dad of my home. I'm going to take that step. God told us we're supposed to do this. I'm going to take that step. And as you start putting steps together, all of a sudden you end up with a walk. Walk in obedience. You want to know the will of God? Walk in obedience. Here's something we do as believers. We pray about things instead of doing things. Now listen, I'm, I'm saying prayer is important. Prayer is a necessary thing. There's a powerful thing in prayer. But sometimes we say, God, should I slander them? Should I tithe? Should I do this? 
let me, let me pray about that a little bit. You know what? We don't need to pray about those things. God has already spoken. Walk in obedience. As you're walking in obedience, uh, your, your, your ability to discern is going to be growing. Walk in obedience. Now, let me tell you this, and I think I need to say it, especially for young folks and especially for older folks. Did you know walking in obedience is not a burden? Did you know it's not a punishment? Sometimes I, I was younger, I would think, what's God's deal with me? Why has he got all this rule? What's, I don't understand this. I know what I want to do. Did you know it's not a heavy weight to walk in obedience? Did you know it's actually the best way to live? And, I, man, I want to say that to 14-year-olds. I want to say that to 35-year-olds and 75-year-olds. By walking in obedience, God wants to lead you away from garbage. He wants to lead you away from drama. He wants to lead you away from trouble. He wants to lead you away from, from sin, all of these things. It's actually the best way to live. And so if we ever figured out, do I trust who he is? He's kind, he's gracious, he knows what's best. I'm gonna put it into practice and walk in obedience. It is actually the best way to live. Human nature is just, we're just dumb. If you run into that wall, it's going to hurt. I don't know if it is or not. I'm bigger than that wall. I, I can say that. If you do this, it's not going to work out. And there's something about go with a three-year-old and draw a line, and they go, <laughs> step over it. You, you don't get any more cupcakes. That's what you thought. I'll get a cupcake. It's the best way to live. It's not a punishment. God has the best thing for you. Walk in obedience. Here's, here's the fourth thing, and I got one more point. The fourth thing is this. Be consistent. Be consistent. One of the things that blows us up is we get excited, and then we fall away. That's human nature. Go look at the history of Israel. They get excited, and they fall away. They follow God. They go back with the neighbors. We have to be consistent. Listen, if you want to walk in the will of God, if you want to know what his will is, if you want to be found safely in his will, it has to be a consistent walk. Not two weeks, not two months, not two years. It's going to be a consistent walk. It gets easier when you're consistent. It gets better when you're consistent. It builds on top of each other when you're consistent. The fourth thing is be consistent. All right, here's the, here's the end of the whole thing tonight. God wants you to know his will. The best way to live is in his will. To know his will, you're going to have to spend time in his word, inordinate amounts of time in his word. You're going to learn who the author is as you spend time in his word. As he tells us what to do, we need to predecide, and then we need to go ahead and carry out walking in obedience. The way to put it all together where it gets better is to do it consistently. All right, when I read this lesson, I, I wrote the ending this because when I read this lesson, sometimes you might go, maybe I've messed up too much already. Maybe I've gone too far out of his will already. And you know what? I didn't listen to the first 21, so here I am asking for the 22nd thing. That's me a lot of the times. Maybe, maybe I... Have just, have just gone too far and messed up too big, and, and, I, and I know I'm out of God's will. What do we do then? And you sit there and go, wish I'd have known then. Wish I'd have done differently then. Wish I could take that back. Wish I could change that day. Wish I could change that event. Here's the deal. 
God loves me and you. God knows what we've done. God knows where we've messed it up. He knows where we've been. And you know what? In that, he is gracious to us. And I didn't want to end this lesson by saying, well, you didn't listen, you didn't listen, you didn't listen. He's not going to tell you, he's not going to tell you, he's not going to tell you. I wanted to tell you this. God is very happy for wherever you find yourself to say, you know what, I'm turning back to him. I'm turning back to him. I want to, I'm going to finish up by telling you my favorite story in Scripture. Now, I say that every week, but this is my favorite one this week. Luke chapter 15, this is my favorite story. Luke chapter 15, there's a son. And that son says, you know what, Dad, I, I wish you were dead. And you know what, I don't like your last name. I don't like how you live. I don't like the rules of your house. I don't like the system we have here. And I'm not sure I like my older brother. And this guy comes up and he tells his dad, you know what, I wish I had no part of you. And give me my money. Well, you didn't earn it. Give me my money, I'm gonna leave. Luke 15, the dad says, okay, and he gives him his money. He goes off, and this son goes off, and he says, I know better, and I know where things are good. And the Bible says he goes to a distant land, a far country. He goes there, and the Bible says he takes all that money, can't stand his dad, doesn't knock his name, takes, takes all that stuff and goes to the far country. And there he lives, and the Bible says riotous living. What that basically means is this. He spits on everything his dad ever believed in. I have no part of that guy. I have no part of his way of life. I don't care what he said. I'm going to do what I want to do. He says, I don't want his name. Don't, don't care anything about him. He spits on the way his dad raised him. Spits on his dad's own name, and he lives in riotous living. The Bible says, you know what? That kind of living never pays off. Never does, never lasts, never does. And he says, you know what? I, my money's gone. I'll, I'll take a job with this farmer, and I'll feed pigs. And then he, he does that for a little while, and you know what? His friends all disappear, and one day he says, you know what? I'm so hungry, I'd like to eat what the pigs are eating. This is, this is what it says. And, and some strike in his heart. He says, you know what? My dad, that guy I hate, his hired hands do better than I do. They, they have better food than I have. I'm sitting here and I'm eating with these pigs. And he says, I'll get up and I'll go back and I'll find my dad. And I'll tell him, you know what, I've messed it up. I don't deserve to be here. But you know what? If you'll just let me work here, I'll work like a hired hand. And at least I'll have better than the food that the pigs are eating. Here's my favorite part of Luke 15. He goes back. And the Bible says that when he was a far away away, what that means is the dad was looking. Spit on him. Didn't want his name. Embarrassed him. Wrote him off. The dad was looking. He looks up and he sees a shape and the shape's coming over the hill. And you know what? He thinks, maybe that's my son. Maybe that is my son. And the, and the Bible tells us he takes his clothes that were long and it would slow him down and he hikes them up. He drops his tools that he's working with and what does he do? He runs to meet that son. He runs and he grabs him, he picks him up and he embraces him and he kisses him. And that son starts to say to him, I'm not, I'm not worthy, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worthy. And he says, you know what? Get the ring to signify he's got my name. Get all the inheritance that I've ever had, and it's his again. Kill the fatted calf we're going to celebrate. For my son, which is gone, has come home again. What was lost is found. And you know what he does in Luke 15? He restores him like he never, ever left. When I finish this lesson, I say, you know what? I want to know the will of God. Boy, do I. I want to walk in the will of God. I'm tired of what the, the normal chaos of the world brings. But you know what? We have a Savior, Jesus Christ, that says, you know what? You didn't go too far. You didn't mess up too bad. And if you'll turn right now, my grace is available to you. 
You know what our God likes to do? He likes to renew, he likes to restore, and he likes to restart. That son comes home like he never left. That is our Savior. You know what? You can know the will of God. You can walk in the will of God. It's the best way to live. But you know what? If you're here and you say, man, I've messed it up, guess what? Join the club. If we turn to him, he'll renew, restore, and we'll walk with him. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful that you tell us tonight there is a good way to live. There's a way that escapes drama and chaos and trouble and mess, and you tell it to us in your word. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be resistant. We wouldn't push back against your word, but we would crave to hear it, to read it, to study it, to memorize it, to be where it's taught. And Lord, I pray that that would change our hearts as we change our knowledge of who you are. I'm thankful that you're gracious, that you're kind, that you're loving to me, to us as sinners. And so, Lord, I pray that as, as we end this lesson, that there will be people that want to walk in your will, that people seek to discern and know your will, that people will walk in obedience. But most of all, we end this lesson by exalting the Savior that is gracious and kind and renews and restores sinners. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you were here tonight. You're dismissed.